Revelation 4, I want you to look at chapter, um, I'm sorry, verse 10 and verse 11. Uh, it's interesting the, the, the setting here, because this is taking place in heaven. What's taking place here is taking place in the, the very throne room of God. Verse 10 begins, it says, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will, they exist and were created. That there is the new King James. The, the original King James brings something out that I want to really focus in on this morning. The original King James, uh, the wording is this. says, thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they were created. As a matter of fact, many of you might remember us singing that song from time to time. A song called Thou Art Worthy that's taken right out of this very verse. But, but they, they said, for your pleasure, these things, all things were created. And what I want to focus in on today is this very simple fact. Is that if you and I were created for his pleasure, then if you find out what his pleasure is and what pleases him, and you do what pleases him, then you are doing and participating in your very reason for being here to begin with. So somebody who doesn't know what his pleasure is, what pleases him, really doesn't know why they're here. And from there, (laughs) you know, I can't help but think of the words of Dr. Miles Monroe, where purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. So what we want to focus in on today is one very simple thought. We were created for his pleasure. We were created for his pleasure. So what we're going to spend time on this morning is we're going to spend time on finding out what pleases him. Because if you know what pleases him, then you know what you're here for. More importantly, if you do what pleases him, then you're doing what you're here for and fulfilling the purpose for your existence and for your life. And this is your only chance. I'm going to tell you, You're not coming back as a dog or a frog or a cranberry in a bog. Let me tell you. That's my little poetry for you this morning. As a matter of fact, you ain't come back. This is your one shot at life. And there's a responsibility upon you. To know why you're here and to make sure that the way you're living your life is in line with why you are here. You know, one of the greatest uh, treasures uh, of the, the whole planet. If you want to find treasure on planet Earth, 
Let me tell you what word most treasure is found. Most treasure is found in cemeteries. And the reason is because so many people have gone to their grave with unfulfilled destinies and unfinished races. Things that could have been done and should have been done, but weren't done. Things that could have been said and should have been said, but weren't said. And potential in the grave means nothing. It can't bless humanity. It can't help anybody. The only place and the only time in which it can is in this, this period of time called life. Now, let, let, me, let me tell you one of the greatest funeral sermons I ever heard. The, the title of the, the funeral sermon was, What's in Your Dash? And you think, what on earth does that have to do with anything? Well, if you look at someone's gravestone, you see the day they were born. You look on the, the far right, you see the day they died. But then in the middle, there's a dash. And what the dash is about represents their life. It's what happened in between the day they came in and the day they left. So what you doing with your dash? You and I were created for his pleasure. So let's start finding out what pleases him so we could do what we were put here to do. Hallelujah. Why don't you go ahead, uh, go to the book of Proverbs. I want you to know that and I, I, there's no way we could possibly cover everything, but there, there's some things I highlighted today that, that, that we're going to go over. Things that please him and therefore things that we were created to do. And I want you to know you were created for a relationship with God. You were created for a relationship with God. You got Proverbs 15? Some pages are still turning, but I want you to be able to see this. Proverbs 15, verse 8 reads this. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. You see, uh, it, it's amazing how so many of us have had a, a view of prayer as, you know, uh, our obligation. You got to go and punch the clock and, you know, be able to say, I did my prayers for the day. And, and, and you know, if, if you have a, an outlook on prayer as though you're punching the clock or fulfilling some kind of duty, you are so totally missing it. You're missing out on the fun of it. And you know what? God is too. Because that kind of attitude actually stinks before God. But when you're coming before God with, with, with a, a, a right heart and a right attitude, an attitude of, of love, an attitude of saying, I want you and I want everything you got. The prayer of the upright is his delight. You know what that means? He likes it. 
He likes it. You know, I heard a song by a, a gospel artist named Larnell Harris. And the title of the song was called, I Miss My Time With You. And, and the beautiful thing about the way that the song was written is it, it wasn't us singing it to God. It was God singing it to us. And let it not be said that God would have to sing that song to us because we're not giving him the time that he desires and delights in from us. Come on, somebody. Part of the words of the song I remember was this. You're so busy trying to serve me, but how can you serve me if your spirit's empty? Busy trying to do things. Well, if you're empty... (laughs) Those things aren't going to amount to a whole lot. So why don't you come on and, and visit with me and get filled up? Hallelujah. So we see that God is delighted by the prayer of the upright. We see God established a pattern even before the fall of man that he would come and walk and talk with him in the cool of the day. Remember that? Book of Genesis. You and I were created for relationship with God. You're in Proverbs 15. Go back a few pages to Psalm 149. Right before Proverbs is Psalms. There's 150 Psalms, so it's the second to the last. Psalm 149. And I want also to see today that we were created to praise. You know, I tell you, I just loved it this morning. It wasn't plan, but it was a Holy Ghost plan that of all Sundays, it would be a day like today where we'd sing, I was created to make his praise glorious. Hey, Psalm 149, check this out, somebody. Starting with verse one, it says, praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song and his praise in the assembly of the saints. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name with the dance. Let them sing praises to him with timbre and heart. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He'll beautify the humble with salvation. Now, you know, you read that in context. What are his people doing that he's getting so pleased about? They're singing, they're rejoicing, they're praising, they're dancing. And God gets pleasure from seeing his people praise and sing and rejoice and dance before him. I just praise the Lord in my own way. Well, I tell you, your way is so dry. Give me a cup of water, please. <laughs> praise the Lord in my own way. Yeah, your own sour lemon kind of way. I tell you, God's been too good for you to be an old stiff. God's been too good for you to just sit there and say hallelujah. Man, I tell you, God's been too good. Don't you know the reason you were created is to praise him? Do what you're here for. Do what you're made to do. Praise him, somebody. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 
These are important things we're talking about. Because this is not any insignificant little thing. You have these nice little points. This is why we are here. Because we're created for his pleasure. So once again, we're finding out what pleases him. So we find out why we're here. Let's get into this a little bit more. Oh, yeah. Go to Hebrews 11. We were created to live by faith. Hebrews 11. To live by faith. And why is that? Because let me tell you, that's the way God operates. You weren't created to operate differently from the way God operates. You were created to operate in the same manner in which he operates. To live by faith. Hebrews 11 Take a look at verse 5 and 6. We'll start there and we'll we'll also look at something in chapter 10 in a minute. It says, by faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. He was translated. He's here one minute and whoop, gone the next. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible possible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him so without faith it's impossible to please him so therefore without faith it's impossible for you to do what you're here to do which is please him it's as simple as that that's how important faith is. Now you know why pastor been hammering it the way he has and coming at it from one angle and coming at it from another angle and just preaching and teaching good, strong, solid faith to us over such an extended period of time. Why? Because it's what you're here for. It's what I'm here for, to live by faith because without it, it is impossible for us to please him, which means that without it, it is impossible for us to do what we were created to do. Go to Hebrews 10. Here's a revelation. Hebrews 10 is just before Hebrews 11. Verse 35. It says, uh, Therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Now, I wanted to read this, especially to note this, that God said the just will live by faith, but if you're drawn back on your faith, drawn back from your faith, 
If rather than advancing in faith, you're going in reverse and backing up away from your faith. If faith pleases God and you're getting away from your faith, then guess what? You ain't pleasing God. And that's why God so clearly made it as obvious as can be that if you draw back, my soul has no pleasure in that person. My soul has no pleasure in what's going on over there. Why? Because they're backing away from the thing that they're supposed to be not just getting into, but, but advancing in more and more and more. Second Thessalonians 1, 3 says your faith grows exceedingly. When it comes to your faith, when it comes to you walking in faith, God don't intend you to be in reverse. God intends you to be in drive, putting the pedal to the metal. Going forward, making advancement, going forward and making progress in your life with God and your life with faith, making progress in those things that are pleasing to him. If you draw back, no pleasure. God made it real clear. But we're not drawing back. No, 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 no. No, 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 not in, not in this place. We ain't drawn back. Yeah, uh, the, the pressure might be on to try to say some things differently because of uh, the politically correct climate of the day. And, 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 you know, we don't want to be offensive. And so you see what happened because some people didn't want to be offensive. What they started to do, whether they realized it or not, they've been drawn back. And some things that they were once strong on and some things that they were once absolute on, they're not so strong and absolute about anymore. But I tell you, if God's strong on it and God's absolute on it, we have absolutely no choice but to do the same. Hallelujah. Otherwise, you fall into the category of being a man pleaser instead of a God pleaser. You weren't created to please men. And on judgment day, none of these men you're trying to please are even going to be present. You ain't going to stand in front of any of them. You're not going to give account to any of them. Please the one you're going to give account to. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. You know, First Thessalonians 4.1 brings this out. That Paul said, as, as uh, you've been taught, how you ought to walk and to please God, that you should abound therein more and more. So you're abounding more and more in pleasing God. You ain't drawn back from pleasing God. No, you ain't backing up from pleasing God. No, you're abounding in this more and more and more and more. Like I said, pedal to the metal. All the way. Can't do this thing halfway. Can't be cute. Sometimes, you, you know, I, I just, just uh, 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 was, was in a certain situation so, somewhere over the course of years. And uh, 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 so someone was singing in church and, and they were just getting into it. I mean, just throwing their head back. I mean, you're wrinkling up their face and just getting into it. And someone said, oh, I tell you, it's good to see someone get ugly for the Lord. <laughs> and I just never forgot that. 
And you know, sometimes I think that, that when, when you when, when you're not making advancement, when you're just kind of holding back and, and not pushing forward, you're trying to be too cute. And sometimes you just need to be that wild person that just goes for it. You know, I mean, enough of the toe in the water. That's not the way you do this life. Uh-uh-uh. You're going to do this thing right. You're going to take the nasty plunge. Amen. Go to 1 Corinthians 12. Let's keep on going. It's really simple what I want to get across to you today. I just want to go through about nine things in the scripture that please God so that we can leave here knowing what we're here for, knowing why we were created, knowing why we exist. And knowing that anything that's going to take us away and distract us from these things are things that are actually taking us away and distracting us from our purpose, our God-given purpose. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 18 says this, But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. You and I were created to take our place. Yet another thing that our pastor has been hammering home about us taking our place in the body of Christ. We were created to take our place. Now, you don't determine which member of the body you are. That has been already determined for you. Your job is to find out what you're supposed to be and be that. And how different that is from even the way society thinks. How many of you uh, have been asked yourself when you were a child and are even quick to ask children now, what do you want to be when you grow up? That's the wrong question. Because this is not about us doing what we want to do. This is about us finding out why we're here and doing that. And you think, well, I think I'd be most happy if I do what I want to do. No, 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 no. Believe me, you are most happy, (laughs) most fulfilled, most satisfied, and most content when you find out what you're here for and you do that. When you're doing the thing you were born to do, made to do, created to do, then you experience the ultimate of fulfillment and satisfaction in life. Because let me tell you right now, I'm doing one of the things I was made to do. And ooh, it's, I'm, I'm high. Hey, Mabel, you hear that? The pastor's high. Did you hear that? Yeah, you heard that right. (laughs) Glory to God. Now, write this reference down. 2 Thessalonians 1, 11. 
Paul was praying for the church that they would, that, that, that God would count them worthy of their calling and that he would fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness. Which is interesting terminology because you see by reading that verse that there's a, a, a direct connection between their calling and God's pleasure. And there's a direct connection between your calling and God's pleasure. There's one verse you just got to turn to. You just got to turn to this. Go to Judges 7. We're talking about being in your place. Knowing that you don't determine your place. God's already determined your place. Your job is to find out what it is and to do it and to get in your place. But go to Judges 7. And I want you to see something. And I've never seen this before. I heard a minister on television read this verse a few weeks ago on a Sunday afternoon. And I about had me a fit. When it's a sanctified fit, you call it a benefit. I got so excited when I heard this. Just reached for a notepad right away because I, 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 I had some inclination into the direction we we're going. And I thought, ooh, Lord, would that fit here? Now we're talking about the importance of being in your place. And that that's one of the things that we were created for. Judges 7 and verse 21 says this. Now, before we read it, here's the context. Remember Gideon, this is about Gideon's army. Now Gideon got his army dwindled down. He took out all of the people that, uh, you know, had the little test that he did. Got out all of the people that weren't quite right and ended up with, I believe, 300 guys. Gideon's army. So not real big compared to what they got started out because they eliminated a whole lot of people as they went. But got it down to 300 people. And the host, which is the old word for armies, that were coming against them were a whole lot more than 300. But I want you to read verse 21 with me. And every man stood in his place all around the camp. And the whole army, the army that was coming against them, ran and cried out and fled. So Gideon's army, everybody stood in their place. And the army that was coming against them, What happened? They ran, they cried out, they headed for the hills. I want you to know today that when the church, when the army of the Lord, when the individual members of that army are in their rightful place and where they're supposed to be, let me tell you that the enemy is going heading for the hills. Hallelujah. Why? Because they're in their place. We were created to take our place. Hallelujah. And when you do that, 
your enemy gets real scared. Real scared. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, we might as well keep on going. We're having fun going all around the book today. Now you can go from Judges back to the New Testament to 2 Timothy. Hallelujah. For thy pleasure, all things were created. So we were created for his pleasure. So what we're doing, we're finding out what his pleasure is. So we can find out what pleases him. So what we can do what pleases him. So we can do what we were created to do. Second Timothy chapter 2. Verse 3, let's start there. We'll read 3 and 4. It says, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. We were created to focus on his priorities. We were created to focus on his priorities. The scripture is very clear. It says that we must endure hardship as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. And that no one that's engaged in war will get tangled up in the affairs of life for a very specific reason. So that he would please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Well, who's the one who enlisted us in the army of the Lord? That be the Lord. And we're looking to please him. So we need to beware. Someone say beware. Of those extracurricular activities that will distract you from your purpose. We need to be sure that we are not soldiers caught up and tangled up in civilian affairs. And I tell you, there's too many of us in the house. That have gotten too tangled up with too many things that have absolutely nothing to do with what you're here for. Absolutely nothing. Well, you say, well, Pastor Ray, is it all right to rest? Yeah, it's all right to rest. Because if you're resting right, the the purpose for your rest is your purpose. You get in rest so that when you get back to actively pursuing and fulfilling your purpose, you've got the strength to do it. So when you rest right, rest is revolved around your purpose. When you take your little breather, you're taking your breather with your purpose in mind. Because if I get the, the rest and the strength, and if I get invigorated and refreshed, then I can get back to my purpose with gusto and everything inside of me. But there's a purpose to your rest if you're doing it right. But I believe, you know what? Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12, 
verse 1 says that we're encompassed about, since we are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside the weights and the sin that does so easily beset us. You may have some things in your life that may not necessarily not, may not necessarily qualify as sin, but they qualify as weights that slow you down when you're running a race. That have absolutely nothing to do with the race that you're running. And it is time for us as people of God to be so purpose-minded, be so mindful of the reason that we're here and what we're here to do, that we lay aside weights, unnecessary things in our life that are distracting, eating time, taking time away from the reason that we're here to begin with. God has called us to focus on his priorities and we were created for such a purpose because that pleases him. When we're focused on what he wants for us rather than being sidetracked and entangled with affairs that have nothing to do with the business of the army of the Lord. Amen. We're also created to live right in his sight. You know, Romans 8 verse 8 says this says that those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Very interesting. We're created to live right in the sight. So if those who are in the flesh cannot please God, then if you get out the flesh and get in the spirit, then you can. So God's purpose for you being here is not so you can be in the flesh. God's purpose for you being here is so you can be in the spirit. How do you get in the spirit? Well, we, we just re- referenced Romans 8, 8 that says those in the flesh cannot please God. But verse 9 of Romans 8 says this. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwells in you. And it's interesting to, to pay attention to what the Bible says about doing things in the spirit. You also see in Galatians 5.16 that if you walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You created to live right in his sight. Let me give you some references to write down. First Chronicles 29.17 says that God has pleasure in uprightness. First Chronicles 29.17. Proverbs 11.20 says that those who are blameless in their ways are his delight. Proverbs 12.22 says that those who deal truthfully are his delight. Are you seeing a picture here? Living right. You weren't created to just live any old way. And do any old thing. And not abide by the principles and standards that the Lord has made clear. No, you were created to live right. As a matter of fact, not just created to live right. You got all the goods you need to live right. Well, it's so hard to live right. It's hard, yet it's hard on your flesh. 
we'll go ahead and break out the hammer and the nails and have a crucifixion party. Because flesh ain't going to dominate you. No, no, no. You're a spirit, soul, and a body. Let your spirit dominate you. Walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Live right in his sight. As a matter of fact, let me give you good news. Some of you say, Pastor, I really want to live right, but it's hard. Let me talk to you. If you're having trouble with your want to, allow God to work on your want to. Is there anything in the Bible about that? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. I don't know about you. I'm so glad I came this morning. Let's take a look at this. Hallelujah. So if you're having trouble with your want to, you want to do the right thing, but your want to ain't working very well. Well, allow God to work on your want to. Philippians 2. Read verse 13. It says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. It is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Let me tell you, you are absolutely without excuse when you are made aware of the fact that the God who is calling you to live a certain way is also in you for the express purpose of helping you to want to live that way and helping you to just flat downright do it. He's in you. He's working in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Both to want to and to do his good pleasure. And his good pleasure is what? It's the reason you are here. The reason you and I were created. Hallelujah. Write this reference down. Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. Paul, uh, uh, I believe personally Paul wrote Hebrews. Some don't, but that's all right. Whoever wrote it was praying for the church there and prayed that, uh, that they would be made complete in every good work to do his will. And that he would work in them what is well pleasing in his sight. And you know, uh, those of you that have been around for a while know that I've got a special place in my heart for the prayers that are in the Bible. And I mean, when you got a prayer that's just Holy Ghost inspired and right there in the Holy Bible, why reinvent the wheel? Pray the prayers of the Bible for yourself and for others that need them. Amen. Hallelujah. There's uh, several more things we want to hit today. You know, you were created to give. Created to give. Let's see, where are you at right now? You're in Philippians. Well, stay in Philippians. Go to chapter four. (laughs) You were created to give. And all the cheapskates said, Lord, no! 
You were created to give. Philippians 4, start with verse 15. Now you Philippians, now read this carefully. You Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. In other words, and nobody else was supporting Paul financially except this one church. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again from my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you. A sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So the things, Epaphroditus was the representative of the church delivering the offering, delivering the goods. And Paul said that these things were a sweet smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well pleasing to God. Let me read this to you. Hebrews 13, verse 16, it says, But do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, we had some fun in the office on Friday morning. Because I, I had come into the office to, to turn in my uh, tithe for the week. I, I do it then because I'm up here when the bucket's passing. There ain't no buckets up here. So, you know, I mean, you got to do it when you get the chance. And so I, I, I came in the office with my blue envelope. And, 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 and you know, we, we just had a little fun. We just danced around like this. And, you know, I'm just serious about that. You think, you crazy. Well, call it what you want to call it. But I tell you, I'm into my giving. Hallelujah. You know why? Because I had the sense inside of me. First of all, I was tearful about it. And God loves a tearful giver. Come on now. But I had the sense that I was doing the thing that I was made to do. I was giving. And that gift is a a pleasing, acceptable sacrifice before the Lord. It pleases him. I was doing something that pleased him. Therefore, by giving, I was doing one of the things that I was put here to do. And if you don't know the high, we're talking about getting high again. If you don't know the high, that comes from giving, you are missing half your life, let me tell you. See, see, y- y- y'all think, hi, I just know the pain of letting it go. But that, see, see, see that, that's low level thinking. That, that's limited thinking. When you think like God thinks, 
You don't look at it at loss. You look at it as great gain. Don't you know the Bible says that the liberal soul shall be made fat? F-A-T and P-H-A-T. Come on, somebody. And that the one who waters will be watered also himself. Hallelujah. You were created. I was created to give. Go to Psalm 35. Right in line with this. If we're created to give, it's very clear also that we were created to be peaceful and prosperous. We were created to be peaceful and prosperous. You say, oh, Pastor Ray, God ain't even concerned in that kind of stuff. Well, guess what? You ain't read the Bible very much. Psalm 35, we were created to be peaceful and prosperous. Psalm 35, verse 27 says, let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Pleasure. And the word prosperity is the Hebrew word shalom. Which is very often translated and best articulated because it includes so much that some of the men of God in our day have kind of summed it down to nothing missing and nothing broken. And when you are in that state of nothing missing and nothing broken, God is pleased. God is pleased. Luke 12 verse 32 says this. Jesus is speaking and he said, fear not little flock. (laughs) For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Luke 12 32. Jesus said, it's your father's good pleasure to give you The kingdom. Well, what's in the kingdom? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost is in the kingdom. What else is in the kingdom? Well, don't you know when Jesus went around preaching the gospel of the kingdom, what happened everywhere he went and preached the gospel of the kingdom? He healed every manner of sickness and disease among the people. There's healing in the kingdom. What else is in the kingdom? Don't you know Matthew 6? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. What things? All those necessities of life that that so many people are worrying about and caring about. But for you, you don't have to sweat it. Because if you seek him first, his kingdom and his righteousness, you get all those things. And then it is your father's good pleasure for you to have all of that. Hallelujah. It was Paul, I believe in Romans, said the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and join the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Now, interesting. This is a little nugget for you. We're talking about peace. Talking about the kingdom of God. 
Now, we're talking about peace, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11, God said, <laughs> the thoughts I think about you, oh, Lord, I got it written down here. I won't say it right. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. So the way God's thinking is he's thinking about you in terms of peace. He sees your future and he sees your end as a, a, a peaceful end. Now, 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 when you hear the word peace, you got to remember that, that peace as it is in Hebrew is not just a tranquil feeling. It's you just being loaded with everything you could possibly be loaded with. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Look up the word sometime in the Strong's Concordance. If you don't believe me, look it up for yourself. It's in there. But I, I, I want you to see this. The peace of God and the kingdom of God. It's his good pleasure to give it to us. Now, I want to tell you a significant Bible verse that talks about the peace of God and the kingdom of God that will also enlighten you on what your future holds. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7, verse 6 is a very popular verse prophesying of Jesus who was to come. Verse 6 of Isaiah 9 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Yes. Now verse 7 says this, Of the increase of his government and of his peace, there shall be no end. Now, now, y- y'all have seen charts and graphs and things like that. And, and you, you, you've seen the, the current uh, economical situation in the world. Uh, you, you know, you, you, you don't see a whole lot of this. You see a whole lot of this. If it goes up a little bit, goes down again. Up a little bit, goes down. But if you look at the chart and the graph that God's got, it, it's like this. Because of the increase of his government. What's his government? It's the kingdom of God. What, and of the increase of his peace, there shall be no end. Well, that's great for, for, for Jesus. Because that's his peace. What about my peace? Well, don't you know Jesus said, my peace I leave to you? You got the same peace he's got. So if there's no end to the increase for him, there's no end to the increase Hallelujah. So let me ask you a question. Why stay in a low position? In a position where nothing's happening, nothing's going on. When you can come up and live the high life that God's got for you. Just before we close, go ahead to the book of Ezekiel, the 18th chapter. You were created to give. You are created to be peaceful and prosperous. You were created to turn and live. So what's that all about? That's what we're going to read. Someone say, turn, turn. 
and live. Ezekiel 18. Verse 23 says this. God is speaking. Do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, says the Lord God, and not that he should turn from his ways and live? Someone say turn Turn. and live. live. Same chapter, look at verse 32. For I have no pleasure in the death of one who dies, says the Lord God. Therefore, turn and live. Now, same book, Ezekiel, but look at chapter 33. Repetition in the Bible is important. Did you see God saying the same thing over and over again? Pay attention. Ezekiel 33. We were created to turn and live. Ezekiel 33, verse 11. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord God. That's a long time. Because he always was and always will be. And he said, as I live. I have no pleasure in the death of of the wicked but that the wicked turn from his way and live turn turn from your evil ways for why should you die O house of Israel turn and live turn is about repentance you're going one way you do a yui Otherwise known as a U-turn and you go the opposite direction of what you've been going. That is what repentance is. You turn. But when you turn, you live. You keep going the way you're going, you die. You turn, you live. And you know what? There's many people in many areas of life where the, the road that you're going down in that particular area is a road that leads to death. Because it's not God's way. You may experience financial death. The death of a marriage. You experience death of some kind. But you're on a road that's leading to death. But there's a cure and a way to avoid the death. Turn and live. I'm reminded, you know, first of all, let me say this. That last verse we read, it's amazing. God said, why are you going to just sit there and die? You can almost hear the frustration in his verse, in his voice. Why are you going to sit there and die? And that so reminded me of four lepers sitting outside of the city gate. In 2 Kings chapter 7, that got tired of just sitting there rotten one day. 
and looked to each other and said, why sit we here until we die? And when you are dead ending in a certain area of your life and you have are, are, are just in a rut and it doesn't seem like there's any way out and you're just kind of lying down, moseying on along in, in nothingness with nothing happening, nothing going anywhere. It's time for you to look in the mirror, look at your wife, look at your family, look at somebody and say, why am I just going to sit here until I die? Especially when you have the opportunity to turn and live. Now let me close by saying this. What does God do for those who dedicate their lives to giving him pleasure? So those who who discover that giving God pleasure is the reason why I'm here. So I'm going to do it. So how does God reward people that do that? Well, he gives them pleasure too. Job 36, 11 says that if you obey and serve him, you'll spend your days in prosperity and your years in pleasures. Psalm 16, 11, the latter part of that verse says, in his presence... Is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Well, isn't that just wonderful? Yeah, it is. Because you know who's at the right hand of the Father? Jesus is. Jesus has ascended and is seated at the right hand of the Father. But but who else is there? <laughs> Ephesians 2 says that we have been raised with him and seated together with him. So if if he's on the right hand of the father, guess where you at? You're there too. And I want you to know right here on 10, 10, 10, you are already at where the pleasure is at. Hallelujah. You're already there. And as you focus in on giving God his pleasure, look out. Because he's got some pleasure for you in mind as well. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah.